Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome to Nurses Out Loud. I'm your host, Nurse April, and today I want to talk about something that I find to be quite concerning regarding this digital prison we seem to be building all around ourselves. If you haven't seen already in the in the news, in our news, <laughs> Twitter, Substack, you know, the underground news, um, there was and actually, let me back up. It's not Twitter anymore. It's called X. So we'll have to get used to that. But anyway, there was something interesting that happened last week on Friday. Uh, Dr. Saeed Hader, who happens to be my doctor, who took care of me uh, during the COVID pandemic, posted something on Twitter about how his bank accounts were canceled. And he was in the middle of a 28-day reservation with Airbnb. And that on day three happened to be canceled as well. Now, what we're seeing, and this wasn't just with Dr. Hader, this was um, happened even before that with Dr. Merkula. And um, it has been happening to people even like the English politician Nigel Farage had his accounts canceled. Uh, We have seen this happen with uh, Donald Trump. I think he was one of the first people that at least one of the first major faces to this whole new world of canceling people's bank accounts because you disagree with their political views. Um, but it happened to him. I re- I like to remind people that it also happened to Kanye West when he was speaking out and people were really upset with the things that he was saying. Um, he got his bank accounts canceled. He was frozen out of all of his accounts. Uh, whether you like Kanye or not, these are major developments in what looks like we are entering or we are currently living in this age of, um, you know, this digital prison, where if you don't stay within your bounds, stay within the bounds that have been ascribed, if you don't toe the party line, you will be canceled, you will be kicked out of society. And the more we move toward this digital ID, digital passport, health passport, um, everyone's tracking everything you say and do, every movement you make. And if you fall outside of the lines, outside of the boundaries, you will be ushered back in or you will be kicked out of society. And I think that it's dangerous. A lot of us think that it's dangerous, especially because it happens to be targeting us right now. But um, it is something that we have to talk about. We have to bring awareness to. So we're going to shine some light on that today. So again, this is Nurses Out Loud. I am your host, Nurse April, and our show airs Monday through Friday. You get a different nurse host every day. 
Um, our show airs 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then there's an encore that plays the show again at 11 p.m. And then if you miss the show, you can always listen on the podcast. The podcast is usually up at about a day or two after the show airs. And you can listen on any of your favorite podcasting apps. There's also another new exciting thing that America Out Loud is doing, and that is that they have a store. So if you're looking to support the show sponsors, which is really, really important to keep us on the air, then visit the America Out Loud store and you can actually find negotiated discounts on all of the different um, products that are show sponsors and take advantage of these. So you can save money because right now times are hard for a lot of people. And that's even something I want to talk about later on. But um, things are getting really, really difficult financially for people. So if you can save money, do it. And so um, check out the store as well. Now, I want to go back a little bit and talk about uh, what's going on. I'm sure a lot of people are already aware that during the trucker protests, the Canadian trucker protests, there was a lot of financial or banking system manipulation for those who participated in the protests, their bank accounts were shut down. Also those who were not even there at the protests, but were simply donating, had their bank accounts frozen or shut down. So they're using this digital system where they can track everything that we do. They're using that against us. And so for the sake of um, convenience, which is why we all really have become addicted to our, our electronics and to these, all of these offerings that they're constantly coming up with, they, they make life more convenient, right? We can access information quicker. We can do transactions faster. That's actually one of the reasons why, um, our current, uh, the Fed now system that's rolled out, that's one of their selling points is that the convenience of making these bank transfers faster. Um, we want everything now, now, now we don't have the time to wait. And so the more pressure we put on, uh, getting things done quickly and efficiently and making life easier, the easier it is for them to put us in prisons. So, Um, I want to read to you the post that, um, Dr. Merkel made on Twitter and Twitter, AKA X, whatever they're going to call it. Um, so he said, Chase bank has shut down our business bank accounts along with the accounts of my CEO and CFO, as well as their family members, including spouse and child. They've refused to provide any reason for doing so. The oldest account has been active for 18 years. Now just think about that. For those who are, you know, in the position like Dr. Merkola, who is, has been a customer for 18 years, has been providing them with the, his financial resources so that they can take his finances and then use it to make money off of. So with, remember, this is how the banking system works. We put our money into the bank and then they turn around and they use that money to make investments and they make money off of those investments. So if we didn't put our money in the banks, they wouldn't have money to take and use to let other people borrow. 
So they really do depend on us. We do not depend on them. Okay. Remember that because you got to remember who really holds the power. We hold the power. And it's when we remember we hold the power that we can really start to demand changes. Because once we start pulling our money out of the banking system, what will happen is they will collapse. We saw it happen with this, with several banks this year that went under because people went and did a run on the bank and took their money out. If they don't have our money in the banks, they can't do business. So if they want to do business this way, then they need to get the same treatment that um, Budweiser got. Yeah, Bud Light, you want to push and promote Uh, values that are against what we hold dear, then we will stop buying your product. And then what happened? Well, just recently we saw Bud Light has actually had to lay off hundreds of employees. So this isn't going well for them, right? We've seen how many millions they've lost. No, millions. I think it's up to billions now. But let me, I'll check on that. But we know that it's working. We know that when we come together... And we agree that this is something that we're going to support and we move together. We have power as a group. So people don't like to talk. People don't like cancel culture. No, I don't like cancel culture either. But when it comes to free market, when we think about free market, which only works the way it's supposed to, when we, the people use our power to walk away, to not spend our dollars, When we use that power, we help to regulate that free market. So right now with these banking systems, using information that they are gaining from social media platforms where we're supposed to be out there speaking and being able to be free to share our opinions, it's the town square, right? It's where we go to talk to one another and to communicate ideas. It's how we work through things. We work through thought processes, And we gain a better understanding of the world around us by communicating with each other. And if we don't have that ability to communicate freely, then there will be bad ideas that will will sprout up. They will take seed, they will sprout up, and they will spread. And there will be no controls. There will be no bumpers to keep those bad ideas from growing into terrible, life-altering world ending ideas. And so one of the things that's coming out that, you know, as I as I was doing research on this situation, and and I've been following this whole CBDC, the central bank, digital currencies, which a lot of countries already have started to roll out. One of the things that I learned about was um, this, it's called your these product passports, these digital product passports, and they are working on this in the EU. And what they're trying to do is create basically a fingerprint for everything that's created or that's made. They're currently using it with batteries. But um, the point is that you can follow along. Um, Let me let me just read something to you. In March of 2022, the European Commission presented a number of proposals aimed at improving product sustainability, 
one of the main initiatives is introducing a circular economy business model in the European Union countries. Um, Additionally, all of this is only a part of an even greater initiative, the European Green Deal. The EU Green Deal is a plan for Europe's sustainable development and growth. Under the Green Deal, the plan is to, by 2030, reduce carbon emissions by 55% compared to 1990 levels. What's more, the plan is to, by 2050, make Europe the first climate-neutral continent. And the way that they want to do this is that they want to have this product passport. And what happens is a product is developed and it, it basically is tracked and all of the items that are used to develop the product and all of the people who are participating in this product development basically all have to put their stamp or their name on it. So it's tracking everything. Um, it's going to be, let's see, currently the EU is considering these three industries for product passport implementation in 2026, apparel, batteries, consumer electronics, with the rest to follow. Only food, feed, and pharmaceutical products are excluded from the rule as part of the European Green Deal, which is interesting to me. And I wonder why they're taking those out, because... One of the concerns that people have is that by giving all this information, you're basically revealing trade secrets. And so if you're making a product and you have certain things that are you know, supposed to be secret, it will no longer be a secret. And so somebody else who may be a competitor will be able to figure out how you made the product. And then you have that situation where you've got your... Um, you've lost your competitive edge. So why did they carve out pharmaceuticals and the food industry, well, I'll let you think about that yourself for a little while. And, and, and I'm sure there's a lot to do with the fact that they don't want us to know what is being put in our food. If you ever remember reading the back of a label and it says um, natural flavors, that can be thousands of other ingredients that don't have to be listed. And so it's their way of maintaining a competitive edge, perhaps, but really what it's doing is it's allowing them to hide um, toxic ingredients that they're putting in our food. And of course, our medicines, uh, we, you know, these patents that they're putting on medicines that, that don't work, uh, the ingredients that are going into these medicines, uh, we just found out during this whole COVID pandemic, those of us, most of us who were unaware that they were using um, fetal cell lines to produce certain medicinal products, including vaccines. That was never something that we were made aware of. And so this kind of process would expose things like that. And then the whole thing is supposed to, supposedly with this passport, it's supposed to keep the consumer more aware so we can make better choices and make choices that are uh, going to facilitate a green environment where we, we make better choices on the things that we're using and making sustainable choices and we're able to fix our products and reuse our products and all that. But really, I think it's more of an opportunity to track because if you decide not to purchase or play the game of I'm going to stick with green, you know, what they have rubber rubber stamped as green products or um, 
more sustainable products, if I were to purchase those things, then maybe I get um, marks on my score, which mark me down, similar to what they do in China. And then I'm not allowed to purchase, you know, and that's, I think, another way they're going to track our quote unquote carbon footprint is by keeping track of all of the things that we purchase. And how are they able to do that? Well, they'll be able to do that through these passports, these digital passports. And we, of course, will have to have our own digital passport that it can link to. So in order for this whole thing to work, it's kind of like a blockchain. If you're familiar with cryptocurrencies blockchain, it's so super confusing to me that I'm not even gonna attempt to try to explain it to you. in any way that probably makes a whole lot of sense. But from my understanding of it, with the way the blockchain works is basically a block of information and then it gets validated. And then you add on to it another block of information. It gets validated by many, many different computers. And then you keep on adding on to this information. So with these digital passports, they'll be able to add on information like who did the servicing of a particular product because it'll be linked to us, our digital IDs. So they're really, really working toward making this a very dystopian system that we will be living in. And when they talked about this whole circular economy, what they're saying is that they want to keep things sustainable by keeping the production and the, um, the items that you're procuring to build a product local which reminds me of those 15 minute cities that they're talking that they're starting to build where you have everything that you need is accessible to you within 15 minutes you live work and play those types of and and they've already been doing something similar to that for years in in real estate development where you have those um, areas where you'll have maybe like an outdoor mall and then you have apartments above it and and that they call those live work and play where you can go shopping for the things that you need you can work in the area and you live there and so it doesn't require a whole lot of transportation to and from it just becomes a lot more convenient these places i've seen i mean there there's quite a few of them here in texas and i know they're all over the country and probably all over the globe they're a great idea, super convenient to be able to say, hey, I need to run down to the grocery store real quick and pick up some ingredients for dinner and then run back up. You know, whether it's an elevator, you take your elevator back to your apartment um, or your condo. I mean, that is super, super convenient versus having to get in your car, drive to the store because you forgot something and then drive back home um, if you wanted to just hang out with some friends and you've got some really cool spots that are right on the same property where you're living. Yeah. Sounds like fun, but there is the dark side of that. If they want to put us in these 15 minute cities, if they really are trying to keep us in a hunger games like situation where we're really imprisoned and we're really relegated to this, you know, small uh, footprint We're no longer free and our freedoms are being stripped away from us so fast. I don't even know if we, if we have the ability to stop this train, 
because the changes are are just coming they're just barreling at us and with ai and the speed at which it is developing and and even the developers can't keep up with the changes that are occurring what's going to happen to us what's going to happen to our freedoms and this is the other thing that i think that people don't talk about enough and it may be something that's discussed in the uh, technology community that maybe I'm just unaware of. <clears throat> but we put so much trust and so much faith in technology and its ability to give us information that's supposed to be truth. We're supposed to accept it as truth. But we know how easy it is to manipulate the truth. Whoever knows how to really program computers and and get online hackers those hackers they can actually get in there if they're good enough and manipulate information that we are given there's um the ability now with deep fakes to make content so real so realistic that you cannot tell if it's fake or if it's real so now you really are going to be in a situation where you cannot believe your lying eyes. It's going to be really a case where you think you're watching something or you think someone is saying something or doing something that they're actually not. It's actually AI. And I've seen it recently. I was watching a video of how these deep fakes are so good. They were asking, can you tell the difference? Which one is real? Which one is fake? And I could not I kept picking the wrong one. The one that I thought was real was the fake. That's how good they've gotten. So how can they use that against us? Well, they can make it seem like you, they can really set you up. Make it seem like you did something that you actually didn't do. And it can be used in court against you they can make it seem like you said something that you didn't say. And on the flip side of that, they can use it as an excuse to say, oh, I really didn't do that, or I really didn't say that. I really wasn't a part of that Epstein, you know, trafficking ring. I wasn't a part of that because they can use the excuse of the deep fakes and the AI and how you can't trust the information that's coming out anymore. I mean, it is truly going to flip our world upside down. I don't know how we're going to handle all of this. Honestly, I don't think anyone really does, except those who are orchestrating this whole thing. What happens when you when no one can really tell what's true and what's fake? What happens to us when we, you know, can't rely on the systems that have been put in place to, to help us operate within this world that we're living in. And what happens when other people have the power to determine whether or not you're allowed to participate in society? And that's what's happening right now with the ability for banking systems to simply cut you off. Because 
so many companies are starting to adopt this technology and are going cashless that if the bank decides to cut you off, then there's a chance that you won't be able to buy or sell the things that you need to sustain life. One of um, the comments that I had uh, saw on Twitter, Dr. Merkula had told Chase, it was Chase Bank that did this. And it, and it posted a picture of his CFO, I believe it was his CFO, who um, is struggling with, they're dying. And um, the family, having been cut off from their money, was unable to pay for the care needed, the health care needed. And so when you look at a system that a bank is able to turn off your money and you need that money to take care of your healthcare needs, to take care of your living expenses, travel, food, medicine. If the bank has that much power to cut you off, the bank can kill you. The bank now has the power of life and death in its hands. Do we want to give man that kind of power over us? On the other side of this break, we're going to talk more about what's going on and what we can do about it. And also how this pertains to biblical prophecy, because you're not yet. I I mean, a lot of people have talked about it, but is there some truth behind this whole rollout, this whole digital ID and and, uh, the ultimate ushering in of the mark of the beast? So stay tuned. It's time and this is world. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. America Out Loud News was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back. So we were talking about 
the whole system, the digital banking system that we're dealing with and the power the banks have been having to shut down uh, people's accounts, dissidents, those who are, you know, have pushed back against the COVID narrative, who have been exposing things, uh, even those who were um, pushing back against the whole election, those who say things that are against the mainstream views and values that we are told that we are supposed to uphold. So Dr. Joseph Merkula had his bank account, him, his CFO, his CEO, and their families' bank accounts were shut down. Um, my doctor, Dr. Saeed Hader, his bank accounts were recently shut down and his Airbnb stay was canceled. I talked about uh, the situation that happened with Kanye West, whether you like him or not. Somebody who is one of the richest people on earth, having his accounts frozen, kicked out, shut down because people don't like what he's saying. If they can do this to people with who truly bring value to their companies, because they need their money, they need their business. What are they going to do, do to us? And uh, so I was talking about these digital prisons that were that are being built all around us. And um, I don't know if you guys are aware, but there's a grocery store in London and they're rolling them out across Europe. But it's Aldi, which I mean, everybody goes has gone to Aldi at some point. Well, Aldi, there's a grocery store in London that forces their customers to make cashless payments. And so even to, in order to get into the store, you have to download this app and you have to be able to verify your age because they're allowing people to go and do all of their shopping. And there's no one working there. Like people aren't working there to check you out. You are just being monitored by all of these cameras all around. And they um, keep track of everything that you're getting. And then it checks you out at the end. And you don't have to have inter any interactions with store employees. How does that help us as a society? I'm not sure how all of these conveniences are making things better for us. Because it sounds like they just put a lot of people out of business, number one. So unless you plan on going back to school to become a computer programmer and you learn how to take advantage of the uh, technology that they're forcing on us as a society, you're going to be put out of work. And that's really another reason why they're pushing this whole universal basic income, because they know that technology is putting people out of work. AI, <laughs> AI, as excited as people were about the possibilities of using this uh, technology, it's putting the creatives out of work, the writers, the musicians, the artists. Now you can actually create video, film. I mean, so you have audio and visual that can be completely done with AI. So what do we need to pay artists for? And they have talked about this years ago. I remember being in a chat room on um, Clubhouse and there were people having rooms and they were talking about bringing in artificial intelligence to replace doctors and nurses at the bedside. And, and, you know, there was of course this argument of that can never happen. You just can't do it. The technology isn't even near where it needs to be. And also you cannot remove the human out of these situations. It's necessary for people's healing to have a human interaction and human touch. But 
the people who were running these rooms, they were really adamant about the fact that not only is it possible, but it's happening, it's going to happen, and we have no say in it. And I didn't really, I just thought that was a lot of hubris, a lot of, you know, mm, that was just them being very cocky. But this was also at the very beginning of COVID when everything was going down. And I, at the time, did not realize this global plan to move forward with um, these passports where you can't move about without uh, having these vaccine passports. I didn't realize at that time that they were planning on forcing everyone to get these injections if they could, that they were going to try to manipulate people um, in a way where they used fear tactics and bullying to force us or corral us to do what do as told. And that's also when they started to roll out these um, artificial intelligence or these robot doctors and nurses. And because of the whole COVID pandemic and, and everyone's fear around that, they were allowing these new technologies to come into play. And so they started using these computers where you walk up and you tell it your symptoms and then it tells you what to do. And so they were really using this opportunity to push the provider out of the bedside. So to think that you're safe, that your industry is safe, no one is safe. Even the programmers and the developers aren't safe. And I'll tell you why. It's because the AI is now able to program itself better than the programmers, faster, more efficient. So you're taking the human out, and if you take the human out, you take the cost of the human out. And we know that human resources and the cost of our human resources is is the biggest cost for most companies. you paying people to do the jobs you need them to do. So for the sake of convenience, we are pushing ourselves into a situation where we're going to rely on the government to be able to provide for us, to give us our food, shelter, medicine. And that's what they want. And that's what a socialist type of society or communist type of society wants. They want you depending on the government for everything. And the government becomes God in your life instead of the true God that we currently are supposed to be honoring and glorifying and serving. But so many people don't believe in God anymore, especially this, this generation. This generation has moved so far away from God that these things that are happening are being able to be rolled out because they don't even know what the Bible says. And so um, just as a reminder for people who aren't aware, and this is the reason why they, they try to say it's a conspiracy, it's a conspiracy theory, and then And those of us who believe in this are quacks. And that's fine. But if you believe and you truly have faith, then you can't help but to wonder if what we're seeing right now was prophesied about prior. And so if you go to Revelations chapter 13, verses 16 and 17, it says, It also forced all people great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, 
so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. In verse 18, it says, This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. So I've, you know, ever since I was a young girl and I remember reading about that and hearing about that, of course you think I would never do that. I would never take that mark. I would never, you know, not thinking that I would live to see a day where that would be a possibility. I honestly did not think as a young girl that I would live during times when I would have to make that decision. And we don't know exactly what the Bible was referring to. We don't know. I don't know. But from what I'm understanding, if you agree to take this mark on your hand, your right hand, or on your forehead, this mark signifies the beast. And this number, 666, is something that people, of course, most people are aware of. But those who are not familiar with the Bible and the teachings don't know. They don't, they don't even realize that that's a thing. So if somebody were to come to them and say, hey, I'm going to put this mark on you for the sake of convenience, you're going to be able to do all kinds of things. For instance, I'm going to give you this chip in your hand. And if you get this chip in your hand, you'll be able to travel. You don't have to worry about having a wallet. Your, um, all of your banking systems will be connected to this chip. All of your medical information will be connected. All of your identification will be connected to this chip. If you get this chip, it's very small, it's painless procedure. We just stick it in your hand and then anywhere you go, we can read it simple. Those of us who are aware of what the Bible teaches are obviously going to be like, uh, no, thank you, but no, thank you not doing it. But what about those who have no idea? They're going to hear how convenient is that? I don't have to worry about losing my wallet. I don't have to have my phone on me all the time. It'll allow me to travel and it'll allow me to get my groceries faster, easier, all of these things. Sure, I'll get it. And I know they'll do that because they're already doing it. There is a company that is um, putting microchip implants so that you can pay with your hand. Um, let me read to you an article. It says, um, the microchip implants that let you pay with your hand. Patrick Pullman causes a stir whenever he pays for something in a shop or restaurant. This is because the 37-year-old doesn't need to use a bank card or his mobile phone to pay. Instead, he simply places his left hand near the contactless card reader and the payment goes through. The reactions I get from cashiers are priceless, says Mr. Pullman, a security guard from the Netherlands. He's able to pay using his hand because back in 2019, he had a contactless payment microchip injected under his skin. The procedure hurts as much as when someone pinches your skin, says Mr. Pullman. A microchip was first implanted into a human back in 1998, but it is only during the past decade that the technology has been available commercially. And when it comes to implantable payment chips, British-Polish firm 
Walletmore says that last year it became the first company to offer them for sale. The implant can be used to pay for a drink on the beach in Rio, a coffee in New York, a haircut in Paris, or at your local grocery store, says founder and chief executive Wojtek Paproda. It can be used wherever contactless payments are accepted. Walletmore's chip, which weighs less than a gram and is little bigger than a grain of rice, is comprised of a tiny microchip and an antenna encased in a biopolymer, a naturally sourced material similar to plastic. Mr. Proprota adds that it is entirely safe, has regulatory approval, works immediately after being implanted, and will stay firmly in place. It also does not require battery or other power source, the firm says. It has now sold more than 500 of the chips. So let me stop here. Entirely safe. We already know what that means. That means you can't trust it because who? there's nothing that's entirely safe, first of all. It's already gotten regulatory approval and it works. It's supposed to stay firmly in place. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how they can say that anything is going to stay firmly in place. Working in surgery, I can tell you that we put things into people's bodies and we, we find them later in other places of their body that it was not originally intended to be. So all of these are claims that they're making for someone maybe who is less educated or who's gullible, who will just listen to the marketing and believe it. But all of those things right there that he said cannot be, um, they, those are claims that really truly cannot be made. And yet they're making them with such, you know, with <laughs> such hubris that everything else that they have to say to me is, is to, not to be believed. But anyway, in this article, and I'll, I'll include a link in the show notes, there's actually an x-ray of a hand and you see this little microchip underneath. It's right between uh, the space between the thumb and the forefinger. And so um, it says, for many of us, the idea of having such a chip implanted in our body is an appalling one. But a 2021 survey of more than 4,000 people across the UK and the European Union found that 51% would consider it. 51%. However, without giving a percentage figure, the report added that invasiveness and security issues remained a major concern for respondents. Mr. Pullman says he doesn't have any of these worries. Chip implants contains the same kind of technology that people use on a daily basis, he says, from key fobs to unlock doors, public transit cards like the London Oyster card, or bank cards with contactless payment function. The reading distance is limited by the small antenna coil inside the implant. The implant needs to be within the electromagnetic field of a compatible RFID or NFC reader. Only when there is a magnetic coupling between the reader and the transponder can the implant be read. He adds that he is not concerned that his whereabouts could be tracked. RFID chips are used in pets to identify them when they're lost he says, but it's not possible to locate them using an RFID chip implant. The missing pet needs to be found physically. Then the entire body gets scanned until the RFID chip implant is found and read. Yet the issue with such chips and what causes concern is whether in the future they become even more advanced and packed full of a person's private data, and in turn, 
whether this information is secure and if a person could indeed be tracked. Financial technology or fintech expert Theodora Lau is co-author of the book Beyond Good, How Technology is Leading a Business-Driven Revolution. She says that implanted payment chips are just an extension of the Internet of Things. By that she means another new way of connecting and exchanging data. Yet while she says that, many people are open to the idea, as it would make paying for things quicker and easier, the benefit must be weighed up with the risks, especially as and when embedded chips carry more of our personal information. How much are we willing to pay for the sake of convenience, she says. Where do we draw the line when it comes to privacy and security? Who will be protecting the critical infrastructure and the humans that are part of it? Nada Katabasi, professor of policy, governance, and ethics at Reading University's Henley Business School, is also cautious about the future of more advanced embedded chips. There is a dark side to the technology that has a potential for abuse, she says. To those with no love of individual freedom, it opens up seductive new vistas for control, manipulation, and oppression. And who owns the data? Who has access to the data? And is it ethical to chip people like we do pets? The result, she cautions, could be the disempowerment of many for the benefits of a few. Stephen Northam, senior lecturer in innovation and entrepreneurship at the University of Winchester, says that the concerns are unwarranted. In addition to his academic work, he is the founder of UK firm Biotech, which has been making implanted contactless chips since 2017. Its implants are aimed at people with disabilities who can use the chips to automatically open doors. We have daily inquiries, he said, and have carried out over 500 implants in the UK, but COVID caused some reduction in this. This technology has been used in animals for years, he argues. They're very small, inert objects. There are no risks. Back in the Netherlands, Mr. Poman describes himself as a biohacker, someone who puts pieces of technology into his body to try to improve his performance. He has 32 implants in total, including chips to open doors and embedded magnets. Technology keeps evolving, so I keep collecting more, he says. My implants augment my body. I wouldn't want to live without them. He says, there will always be people who don't want to modify their body. We should respect that, and they should respect us as biohackers. Interesting. So he has 32 implants currently because technology keeps improving. So you're not going to get just one kind of similar to the quote unquote vaccines, these injections that they keep, they told us at first it was just going to be one. And then, oh, well, you just need one more. So you need two. It's going to be a series of two. And then they say, oh, well, now you're going to need a booster, but that should be it. Next thing you know, you're getting multiple boosters and now you have to get it every year. These chips will be the same, just like our phones, just like there is no technology that we have that is uh, longstanding right? Nothing lasts forever. So be careful of how they market this stuff and be careful when they say things like all or nothing. And this is, there's no complication. There's no problem. There's no risk. Um, I promise you, he has not been studied to find out if there are risks involved with the fact that he is implanting all of these objects in his body. Remember, 
when we put certain things, for instance, I'm going to give you an example. We talk about silicone being um, inert and it's perfectly safe to put into people's bodies. And so we make implants using silicone. However, that is not true. That is not true. And that is something that's coming out, especially for women who have breast implants. They have something called breast implant syndrome that they're now acknowledging, although they still won't pull them off the market and they're just you know, testing it. And they, they're people who claim to have these symptoms after they get their breast implants. But here's the reason why it's not something we need to just brush off as nothing. The silicone, what, what work, how silicone works is you have a part A and a part B and you mix those two parts together and then it solidifies. So it starts off as a liquid and then it becomes a solid. But one of the things that helps this, the silicone to cure is platinum. If you're using a platinum based silicone, which is a heavy metal or tin. So you have a tin based silicone or platinum, but those two metals help the curing process. So help the liquids become a solid. So when you put these metals into the body, what happens? It may be inert for some people. It may not affect some people while others it affects tremendously. And we know that the constant introduction of heavy metals through our, our water contamination and through the air, and through our food, we've talked about the lead in our food, the cadmium, these metals, our body isn't meant to have high amounts of these metals. And what does it do to us? How does it affect our brain? Does it cross the brain, blood brain barrier? Yes. How does it affect our mental capacity? Is it causing dementia? Is it causing Alzheimer's? Having these heavy metals constantly put in our bodies. So then they want to also put these chips in us made with, you know, a, they say a plastic well coating, it's probably a silicone coating. And that has metals and then whatever the the chip is made out of, you know, they just they want to they want to hack the human body. But why? Who does it benefit? Benefits those who want to control us. And people please pay attention. Please, please, please pay attention and start to push back. Start to figure out how you are going to protect yourself and your family. Knowing that they're doing this, knowing that they are, there was a story that I came across. I forget. Um, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but she was the daughter of someone pretty famous. And she was actually kicked out of her accounts. The bank closed her accounts or froze her accounts because they believed that she said something that I guess went against their policies or something on social media. It wasn't even something that she said or did. And she had to go through this whole long process of verifying that she did not say or do the things that they claimed that she did in order to get her bank accounts back. And she needed this to be able to, she's a single mom raising her children. I think it had something to do with, um, her children's father, who I guess is somebody that is a person of interest that they aren't too keen of, too fond of. And because of that, they thought she was getting money from him, home money laundering they were trying to accuse her of. Anyway, none of it was true. And she had to fight to get the um, accounts back, to get access to her money in order to be able to do things like raise her children, buy groceries, 
you know, travel, move about. Like it shut her down, her business, her opportunity. Now she's someone with a big name. And so she was able to get her story out there in the media and get this situation corrected. But what about somebody like me? Who they don't care anything about. And I don't have the money, the power, and the connections that I would need to get my accounts opened. And just the the mere hassle, the mere inconvenience. You ever try to call any of these places, customer services, who a lot of companies are moving to artificial intelligence to run their customer service? And you know how frustrating that can be. So you ever try to call these places and to, you know, get on the phone and you're on hold, you're on hold for hours sometimes and then you get disconnected and then you have to call back and then you have people from other countries who don't understand you don't understand them they don't understand you and you're just getting shuffled around and nothing happens and you have to go up the chain of command and you do all these things trying to get something taken care of that isn't even your fault imagine the inconvenience who can afford this type of this type of problem where it comes down when it comes down to losing access to your finances and because it's becoming so widespread where there are restaurants now where you cannot go and eat if you don't have a credit card because they're cashless i still don't quite understand the benefit to the company to be cashless because every time you use your credit card a business who accepts that credit card payment has to pay a fee every time you swipe your card. It's a percentage, and usually it's anywhere from 3.5% if you're lucky to like 4.5%, 5% of the charge you lose. So if I were to charge you a dollar for something, I'm going to have to pay like say 4.5%. So I'm going to have to pay that to the company. So I'm not actually getting an entire dollar. You're not paying me a whole dollar. I'm getting less than that. And on top of that, they also have just a fee. So sometimes it might be 50 cents for a transaction fee or whatever. That's why you have certain companies online that will say, um, if if you're using a credit card, they charge you a convenience fee because they're offsetting the cost that they're having to pay by allowing you, you to use your credit card. So... How does it benefit these restaurants who already have really tight margins to be cashless? They're doing it with um, the convenience, a little convenience markets where you can go and get snacks. So at the hospital, one of the hospitals that I go to, uh, it's a very big hospital system in Texas. They have this little convenience store where you can go and get snacks. And when the cafeteria is closed, that's the only place you can go to get food. So in order to eat, you have to go to this place and it's cashless. You have to use a card. For those who don't have access to banking systems, they can't eat. And not only are they using it in the little convenience store and you can say, well, you know, it's a convenience store. You don't have to go there. You can go to the cafeteria. No, because now they're using it in the cafeteria too. The cafeterias are cashless where you have to use your credit card or your check card or your banking card in order to buy the products, the food, the water, the things that we need to sustain ourselves. And so if they're doing it in the hospitals, they're doing it in the restaurants, 
They're doing it now in the grocery stores. Why are they starting this off where our food is connected to it? Think about that. They're tying this system to our food, to our ability to access the one thing that our body is constantly craving to sustain us. They're forcing us to get used to this idea by tying it to something that is integral to our ability to stay alive. And then they'll roll it into other industries, but we've already started to accept it because when we're hungry and we go to a restaurant and we order our food and they're like, hey, sorry, we don't take cash. We submit to it. We give in to it. So even though we may have pushed back in some other areas where we can have actually, you know, say we have time to think about it and use our power of our dollar to, to voice our acceptance or deny our acceptance of their terms. In those situations, they're really taking away our power. So the fact that people who have... Um, more power in society are being stripped of that and the banks are showing us what they're willing to do to make sure to keep us smaller people in line. Start preparing yourself, start preparing your family, start to have your plan B, your exit plan. How are you going to live in a society where you're not allowed to buy and sell unless you accept this mark? There are people and they try to say it's conspiracy theory, but there are people who talk about how the barcode is this, is um, the mark of the beast. And whether or not it's the mark of the beast is, is not so much the argument I'm going to make. But what I'm going to say is, as I want you to look at a barcode and what you're going to see is that the beginning, the middle and the end of barcodes all do have six, six, six in them, all barcodes. And they try to brush it off and say, oh, that's just conspiracy. That's not, we didn't do it on purpose. It's just how it happened. But we can't ignore the fact that the barcodes all do have 666 in them. And I'll include a link in the show notes again about that so you can understand how that is. And you can see it for yourself. I did that already before the show. And so um, if these chips are basically reading barcodes and scanning and using RFID technology, are they implanting this mark, this number in us? And if that's what their plan is, I'm going to have to say I pass. And if that means that I'm not going to be able to access goods and services, I'm not going to be able to buy and sell. What does that mean for me and my family? It's going to be interesting, guys. Remember, I'm here and my goal is to shine a light in the darkness. It's time.